0: Which means there is an inheritance that belongs to us, right? But in Galatians, it says as long as you're a child, you can't get those things because you don't give your 8-year-old a car to drive if you got good sense, right? And you don't give your 16-year-old this immature car if you got good sense, and so understand that there are some things that seem, the Bible says it's the small vine, the foul, small foxes that spoil the vines. And the truth of it is, is that Pastor Ellen was talking about how lots of times what we do, and then I'm going to pray, then we're going to get into the word. A lot, that, a lot of times what we do is we go, I did everything that God asked me to do, except what seemed to be the little things. Like I went to work, but I didn't manage my attitude. My attitude seems like a little thing because I did the big thing of completing the job. And so we want to make sure that we discipline ourselves so that we don't miss out on what God is trying to do in our lives because we're too undisciplined to be able to walk through the process, right? So I think it's really important that when the word is going forth, this is really what I believe since y'all asked me, what I really believe is that when you come to church, you ought to be able to be in church without being distracted every three minutes. I get that we're fellowship of champions, fellowship before or after church. But when praise and worship is going on and you're having a sidebar conversation, you potentially interfering with somebody from getting a breakthrough or you getting a breakthrough. That's like not the time for a conversation. Unless, say, perhaps God gives you a word for somebody's life that they might need at that time. And when the word is going forth, that's the time to be a student. And if you're not a student of the word, you're never going to get the word in your heart. And if you never get the word in your heart, you're never going to be able to reproduce the word in your life. And what's going to happen is that you're going to constantly be hearing how your life should be getting better. But your life isn't going to be getting better because you don't have the foundational principles of even being able to sit and hear the word. So I think that's really important because, you know, um, one of the things that I believe is that I believe that if you don't discipline yourself, you will always be disciplined by somebody else. If you don't discipline yourself, you, you you, you shouldn't need the devil on your back to drive you into the word. If you live in the word, you can keep the devil off your back. You shouldn't always need to be, in, you shouldn't always need crisis to be your taskmaster. So that's what I wanted to say. That's my precursor. Amen. Let's pray. Most gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you promised us that if the word went in our heart, that it would produce. And so our job is to deal with the condition of our heart. And so we thank you that our, we have hearts that are good ground. We thank you that we're not easily offended by the word. We thank you that we don't fall away from the word because of persecution. We thank you that we don't allow the lust of our flesh and the cares of this world to pull the word out of us. And so as a result, we are people who harvest what you said in our lives. So we believe today that the word is going to go forth and our lives are going to be transformed because that is what you said. Our expectation is before we ever start preaching that we are being changed. We believe that we receive it in Jesus' name. I believe that there is an expectation that's involved in faith. Pastor Edwin's been talking a lot about walking by faith, but people who are in expectation of something live differently than people who are not. People who are in expectation of something live differently than people who are not in expectation of something. And so as believers, one of the things that we need to know is, what is God saying about my life? We say it all the time, what did God say? The truth of it is is that a lot of believers, they know what they feel. They know what the news said. They know what their boss said. They know whatever the expert said, but they don't have a clue cool what God said. And, because, and you, faith starts where the will of God is known. So let's take something general. Let's go to 3 John 2. 3 John 2. Say, I am a person of great faith and my faith. Always produces. produces. Let's say that again. Say, I am am a person person of great faith faith, and my faith faith always always produces. So let's take this scripture right here. It says, beloved, above all, I wish above all things that you may as what? And what? Even as what? So right here we see the expectation of God or the desire of God for your life and for my life. He says, I wish that you would prosper and what? Even as what? So what he says to you here is this, as that your ability to prosper and be in health is always going to be contingent on the prosperity of your soul. You will never live above your soul. That's why Romans 12 and 2 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So he says, all right, I've told you that this is what I wish for you. I wish that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. It then becomes my job and your job to find out, one, what does a prospering soul for my life look like? And what does prospering in health look like? What does prospering in the rest of my life look like? If I'm not doing that part of the work, I'm not in faith yet. Now I'm excited, oh my goodness, God wants me to prosper. Oh my goodness, God wants me to be in health even as my soul prospers, right? But if I'm not asking the Lord, all right, God, you said that I should prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. Where is my soul not prospering? How do I know where my soul is prospering or not? The answer is simple. Wherever my soul does not agree with God, it is in poverty. Wherever my soul does not agree with God, it is in poverty. It doesn't matter how great the plan is for somebody else. It doesn't matter that somebody else used that thinking to make the Forbes 500 list. It doesn't matter that somebody else used it to become the CEO of a corporation. When my thinking is not aligned with God, it is poverty thinking. So then it becomes incumbent upon me to allow God to use the word to dissect my thinking. Just because you think better than the rest of your family don't mean you think like God. Just because you live better than the rest of your family don't mean you live like God. So then I have to say, okay, God, Cause I want to teach us how to live the word okay God when you say prosper what does prosper look like for Sean Strickland this is where vision begins to get formulated this is what prosper looks like for me all right so let's say let, let's um let let's just work we'll just work through this scripture for a second okay so let's say that when you, I say to the Lord, I say, what does prosper look like for me? He says, part of prospering for you is that you are going to be a wife, a mother, a pastor, and a business owner. Now, when God gave me all of those assignments, did he know how many days, I mean, how many days were in the week? Yes. Did he know how many hours were in the day? So the moment I start saying that I don't have time to do everything God called me to do, my soul is in poverty. Because if he called me, there was a grace to do it. But if I get up every day and say, I ain't got time to do all of this stuff, then what happens is is that my soul aligns with the world system instead of what God has said about my life. So then you want to know why you stressed out? Because you speak being stressed out into your life. Oh, I'm so tired. I don't have enough time to do all of this. The Bible says redeem the time. Oh, but wait a minute, God. I feel like I don't have enough time. God, can you show me where my time is getting away? Uh Uh-huh, them four TV shows you watch every night. He'll tell you, where you think you don't have time. It's not that you don't have time. It's how you use your time. Okay, the Lord told you to work out. You like to watch TV. Watch TV while you work out. Get you a gym that's got the TV with the little screen captions on the screen and work out while you watch TV. But you cannot say you don't have time to do what God called you to do. You can't say you don't have money to do what God called you to do. I can't afford to tithe. No, your thinking is in poverty. It's not your money that's in poverty. It's your thinking that's in poverty. Because what you look at is your own life, and then you determine what you're capable of doing based on what you see about yourself instead of what God said about you. And so instead of asking God how you could tithe, what you do is keep saying you can't afford to and your life will always follow your words. Your life today, my life today, is the reflection of the words that we spoke and believed. Whatever you got in your life, whatever your marriage looked like, you said that. Whatever your marriage looked like, that's what you say about it. Whatever your job look like, that's what you said about it. We come in, we get a word, we say this is a season for promotion and increase. You go job search and then you tell us ain't no jobs. But the Lord said it's a season for promotion and increase. But because your thinking is in poverty, because anytime you trust anything in the world more than you trust God, you broke. Anytime you trust anything more than you trust God, you broke. The truth of it is, and I keep saying this, that one of the biggest problems with Northwest Arkansas, I love Northwest Arkansas, but one of the biggest problems with Northwest Arkansas, y'all too smart. You do, you, you're too smart. You got too many degrees. Too many people have evaluated you highly. So then when God gives instruction, you think that you got to vote. And so then what you're trying to ask God is he's run the analytics. Did he look at the forecasting? Has he checked out the replenishment status? And so as a result, people who are not as smart as you prosper more than you because they don't let their education and their experience talk them out of what God is trying to do. So, beloved, above all things, I wish you would prosper. What's the key to that? My soul must agree with God. And when my soul doesn't agree with God, and this is the truth. Here is the indication of pride. I want to tell you because I want you to know what it is. The moment that God or someone who loves God begins to tell you what God can do in your life, and you begin to justify it where it cannot happen. You are prideful. You are prideful, and we know it because the moment God will say, "He'll like," we'll be like, "It's your, se- it's your season to buy a house." You'll go, "Did you see how much in taxes I made?" God ain't crazy. He know how much you made before he made the offer. The Bible says he is looking to and fro, searching for someone he can show himself strong on. Let me parenthetically insert. You're believing God for a new house? Not tithe, ain't the way to get it, not from God. Oh, I, I'm, I'm trying to remodel my house, so I'm going to cut my tithe back. you pouring your soul. L- listen, I'm just going to tell y'all, listen, I used to preach this all the time. I'm going to tell you right there, you, you need to understand this. Faith ain't for punks. Faith ain't for punks. Faith ain't for victims. You can't cave in and quit and back up and punk out every time something happens. The moment God makes you a promise, the devil is coming to see if you believe it. The moment, so the very moment that we make a declaration in this house, the devil looks at you based on what you have failed at before and sends his imps to come and get you to see if he can get you to back up. Faith is not for punks. People who walk by faith have a posture. Faith people have a posture. That's why I told you earlier, faith people irritate folks. Faith people irritate folks. Because when people start talking about what can and can't happen, we not moved by what you said can and can't happen. We ain't thinking about that. So faith is not for punks. And faith don't work for people who like to be victims. And the truth of it is, here's the question you need to ask yourself. Do you think you are a winner? Not what we think you should be, not what God said you should be, but do you think you are a winner? Because it don't matter how we lay hands on you and how we high-five you and how much we teach, if you don't think you are a winner, life will wear you out. Life will tell you what to do every single day of your life. It'll tell you how to vacation. It'll tell you how to work. It'll tell you whether you can sleep good or not. It will tell you whether you can have time to exercise, whether you can save money. It will boss your whole entire life. And then you will live expect waiting to get to heaven because it's the only place you know how to get relief. But we are called to dominate in life. The Bible says, thanks be to God who has given us the victory. The victory goes to the team that won't quit. Yeah. One of the absolute best basketball games I've ever seen in my life, girls' basketball. 7-8 championships. It was between North Little Rock, who at the time was wearing everybody out, and Fort Smith Northside. And in the first half of the game, North Little Rock had popped Fort Smith in the mouth. It didn't look like it was no way they could come back. They coach called a timeout. He said one word to them. And they interviewed him in the paper. He said one word to them. He said, kamikaze. Kamikaze is a war term. He said, go crazy. Know who got the championship that year? No, Fort Smith. There has to be something in your life that once you see God wants something for you and you don't have it that goes crazy that the devil would try to keep from you what God said already belonged to you. You mad if somebody steal your parking space. How you ain't mad that you don't make enough money to pay your bills? you mad if you don't get good service in a restaurant. How you keep living with that raggedy marriage? There has to be a posture that says enough is enough. Enough is enough. The one thing that you can always determine is righteous resolve. When people have made up their mind, you know what people don't need when they made up their mind. No cheerleaders. They don't need nobody. You can have a girlfriend. She been dating a jerk for five years. You been telling her she should leave and all of that stuff. Y'all been talking about it. But if she get tied up, tired, she'll call you from her new apartment. Right? She done moved. She didn't even ask you for help to move, baby. She done hired movers she done moved into a new apartment you like girl what you do girl I'm setting up my stuff in my new apartment because she got a righteous resolve and now she don't need a cheerleading squad see as long as your motivation comes from outside I have never needed anybody to cheer me for what I really want to do what I really want to do I don't need no cheerleaders no cheerleaders I don't never need no cheerleaders for anything I really want to do I don't need no cheerleaders. I cheer myself. Amen. And I'm going to show you that it's in the Bible. So anyway, let's go to Genesis 1. Y'all learned anything today? I'm Listen, I'm trying to get you to understand, if you are going to live in the absolute victory of your life, you must determine that defeat is not an option. I grew up in the country. I don't know how y'all grew up, but this is how I grew up in the country. If somebody beat you up on Monday, you had to fight them on Tuesday. If they beat you up on Tuesday, you got to fight them on Wednesday. You got to fight them till you win because it ain't over till you won. At some point, the stuff in your life that's been mastering you, you got to get sick of being mastered and decide we'll fight every day, but it ain't over till I win. He says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We'll keep going. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be, and there was, verse 4. And then God saw the light, and that it was good. We'll just stop right there. So here's the whole principle. God says something, he looks at what he sees, And then he determines if what he sees match what he said. If it doesn't match what he said, he goes back and says something again and starts creating again. Go to verse 26. And then he said, down here in verse 26, let us make man, how? So God created man as a speaking spirit and your life will be the sum total of the faith-filled words you speak. That's why it don't matter if you make confessions in here and talk raggedy the rest of the week. Here is the lesson that you must learn. When you cannot agree with God, shut up. When you cannot agree with God, shut your mouth. And let God speak to you until you can agree. God has said, here's what's going to happen in your life. God has said, this is going to be the year that your family is restored. You go home to the family reunion, they look crazier than they've ever looked. You don't go sit in the car and call your friends and say, this mess ain't working. You shut your mouth till you can hear what God is saying. What most of you don't understand is that you talk your way out your destiny. Your mouth talk you out. You use your own mouth to talk yourself out your destiny. He uses what's in your... He used... You are either going to partner with God or the devil. And the problem for a lot of believers is that you love God, but your partnership is with the devil. Because your words agree with what the devil said, not what God said. Let me tell you something. Let's just take healing, for example. Let's just take healing. The Bible says, by his stripes, we were healed. Were meaning past tense. Are you educated? You know were means past tense. Hold on. We don't, don't leave. Don't go there, Ralph. Stay right here. So that means that when you get sick, Sicknesses in your body illegally because the Bible says you were healed. But when you pray, you're asking God when he goes show up and deliver you. That indicates that you're not in faith because the healing already belongs to you. Let, let, let me insert right here. Anybody who understands salvation for real understand this. So you're saved. Anybody in here saved? Anybody in here sin last week? Did you get saved again? Why not? Because you already saved. You didn't start going, oh, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if my salvation is secure. Maybe salvation don't really belong to me. But the moment your body hurt because your soul ain't disciplined about healing, Then what you start saying is, I wonder when God go show up. I wonder when this pain go stop. I've been walking through this such a long, long time. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Those are words of doubt and unbelief. Faith says my body may be hurting, but I got a word that says that I'm healed. I'm commanding my body to line up in the name of Jesus. This pain can't stay here because it don't belong to me. Pain, I want you to know that you're here illegally and I'm not going to tolerate you. And then you begin to pray for wisdom. Because I would like to parenthetically insert that most of the sickness you have is self-inflicted. You know you lactose intolerant. You already know. Every time you eat macaroni and cheese, you get cramped up in your stomach. So then you talking about I'm going to eat this anyway, ignorant, unlearned, don't want to, ma- no, 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 no. I, I'm just going to tell you. I don't know if this live or not, but I'm just going to tell you. This the truth people need to hear. You pre-diabetic, but you eat dessert twice a day. Talking about I bind the sugar in this cake. No, there is a difference between faith, foolishness, and presumption. Binding sugar in desserts is foolishness. And then what you say is, the devil all on my back attacking my body. No, your fork is attacking your body when you keep sticking that cake in your mouth. I don't know why I'm so fat, because you eat a lot. Listen, this is the truth. Anybody, I can say, listen, I can say this because everybody who know me know I'm the most truthful person in the world. When I'm eating wild and out, ain't nobody who know me can ever tell you that I say I don't know why I'm gaining weight. I know exactly why I'm gaining weight. I had an appetizer, four rolls, my meal, sweet tea, four times, and dessert. I know exactly why. The cleaners did not shrink my clothes. I know exactly what happened. Here's why this is important. You can't get free till you can tell the truth. And so um, we just go take weight loss and then we go jump to some other stuff. Like, so you you can't get free. Listen, I'm just going to listen. Because here's the thing. I'm so honest about my truth. This is true. People tell you this. You can have a whole conversation with Jimmy about this. Listen, when I'm not serious about working out, it don't matter what you say to me. I don't care what you say, but, but I ain't telling you no lies. I ain't sending no text messages telling about, I worked out today, I don't know what's happening. Did you work out today? Nope. So the problem for people is that they come to church, they get in a faith atmosphere, they confess about what they go do, and then they go home and don't live it out. And then people... Get, they're bored with the word. You know why you're bored with the word? Because you ain't doing it. The word isn't to entertain you. It's to instruct you and transform you. In every level of increase, there is going to be resistance. So I'm going lead weight. I'm going to lead weight and I'm going to jump to marriage. Let's go jump to marriage, okay? So two people get married and this is what God does whenever he puts two people together. He intentionally puts two people together that's going to sharpen each other. Sharpening is irritating. Why are you talking to me about this? Leave me alone. But what God will do is give you somebody whose strength is your weakness so they always pointing out your weakness. You got a choice. You can be aggravated or you can get better. You can get better or you can get irritated. Some of you don't. You got the reason your marriage don't get no better is because you don't honor the fact that you need sharpening. That's pride. I don't want anybody to talk to me about X. That means you don't want to get better because people who want to get better want people to talk to them. People who want to get better want people to talk to them. But let me tell you cause some of this, because here's some of the pride problem with some of you. Some of you have deceived yourself into believing that you're the 10 in the relationship. That you're the 10 and the other person should just be glad that you're with them. And that's why when they offer you feedback, you can't take it, because you like, who are you? <laughs> I mean, who are you to think that you? I mean, I know I know you didn't If' this one of the most powerful transform moments in my life. I was praying for my marriage. y'all heard me say this. I used to pray all the time to past and Pastor get leprosy.) Um, listen you have no idea how much that man used to get on my nerves I used to be like you need to smite him so it didn't work it, it never worked but I'll never forget I, was, I went in the bathroom one time to pray about Edwin and the Lord said to me so clear he said don't come back in this bathroom no more until you want to talk about you I was like what do we want to say about me because it's clear I'm amazing. <laughs> Y'all laughing at me, but I'm just trying to get you to tell your truth. Your truth is, see, some of you think you're more spiritual than your spouse, so when your spouse gives you feedback, you reject what they say because you think you're more spiritual. But just because you're the most spiritual one don't mean you got all the information at the table. Hey, amen. Amen, saints. I, I, I'm just trying to help. Just because you're more spiritual don't mean you manage money better. I mean, just because you can interpret the tongues don't mean you got the best parenting strategy. So God puts people with people to eliminate weaknesses. But if you're so arrogant that you think you just came to cover... then now your back all uncovered. Because the person who should be covering your back, you have determined that they are inferior to have expertise in anything unless you give it to them first. But then, can I take it further? Then some of you take that same attitude in your work. So now you think because you got some new strategies or something or your boss maybe doesn't have the certification that you have or maybe they've never worked for another company, now you think you're the only one who know. Now you at work where God really sent you to be a light and be a help, but because you don't know how to work with anybody because you're so arrogant. You're not the only one who knows. And your way isn't always the best way. And some of you, the truth of it is, especially you type A people, the truth of prospering your soul is to admit that you think you're right all the time. And ask the Lord to help you. Because you're leaving yourself uncovered because the people that God put in your life to cover you, you can't even take nothing from them because you think you know everything. I can always tell when we're trying to counsel somebody and they like, well, you don't know what we've been through. First of all, I say this all the time. I don't have to be a crackhead to know God delivers. (laughs) I ain't have to be a crackhead to know God delivers. Know how I know? Because I've been a sugar fiend. The same power it takes to deliver from sugar, the same power it takes to deliver from anger, I don't have to have walked your exact struggle to know that Jesus can fix it. But the moment that you sit down with somebody and determine that they can't help you because they don't know your story, you pride. For the Bible says nothing new under the sun. It says there is no temptation given. In other words, this is what the Bible says. Your situation is not new or unique. No, no one knows what I'm going through. Pride. When, I just want you to know the stuff that what pride sounds like. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Pride. My mama crazy. Girl, you ain't the only person that ever had a crazy mama. You ain't the only person that ever had a crazy daddy. You ain't the only person that didn't know your daddy, had a daddy who was there but wasn't there. You ain't the only person who had somebody lie to you and break your heart. You ain't the only person that somebody cheats you out of a job. You not new to this. You not the first. God has thousands of years of perfecting this. And so literally, people are being in a bad marriage, because we still talk about marriage. You got a bad marriage. And people who have overcome stuff will tell you, I'll tell you, Chris, when Valley say X, just don't say nothing. (laughs) Like right now, like right now, focus, 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 focus. Come here, focus. Don't let him pull you in, right? And then what happens is people get home and they go easier said than done. How did you develop the, the, um, the muscle for it? You develop the muscle for shutting up by shutting up. That's how you develop the muscle of shutting up. I was talking to my little niece yesterday. Uh, one of my nieces called me. and She was telling me about how um, it was so interesting that she called me. She was telling me about how she was out with her fiancé. And this woman walked up to her. And I walked up to him. Hold on, ladies. And asked him, could he give her a ride home? And she got thrown out the place because she threw a glass at the woman's head, right? And so she says, (laughs) did y'all get the story? She's out with her fiancé. A woman comes up and says, hey, can you give me a ride home? To her man, she picks up the stuff on the table. Throw, hits the woman in the head with a mason jar, gets kicked out the club, right? So she says to me, she says, I'm going to take you somewhere. She says, I'm not sure why I'm telling you this. I said, because I have mastered not getting kicked out of places. Let me show you how you do that. I said, one, you have to give him an opportunity. What was he trying to do? She said he was trying to get her out of his space. It wasn't happening fast enough. I said, so you got to employ patience. Now, now the, here's the reality. Those of you who aren't fighters by nature don't even understand what we're talking about. But the people who fighters by nature, you don't even know this woman, and you want to beat up the lady who said it. you like, no, she didn't. Who is she? Zero to a hundred real quick. Yeah. Right, look, look, even Sister Reynolds, y'all think Sister Reynolds mild. She done, her eyes got big back there. She's like, what are we talking about? <laughs> but what happens is, is that as you walk with God and you actually want to learn not to be ratchet, then god will help you make the right choice in the right situation but what in order for you to perfect it let me insert this cuz i need to help you in order to perfect it you got to be tried you you we know the strength of it when you tried So you can understand this. The moment you decide, because some of y'all don't know, I know y'all still ratchet, so I'm going to (laughs) help. So the moment that you decide you want to be delivered from being ratchet, you can be assured that there will be a series of unfortunate events to measure whether that's true about you or not. Immediately. Because the devil has studied you. So he know. He already know your weaknesses. If you're a retreater, you always in a situation where somebody trying to punk you in a corner. Uh, Your your struggle is different. You have to learn not to bag. You you, got to learn how to hold your spot because you so used to backing up. But you have to learn like you got to be the same, because I talked about soul prosperity, right? So here's the reality. This is what I said to my niece. I said, listen, Third John 2, I took it to Third John 2. I said, let me walk you through this. I said, soul prosperity means that you have to change your mind about what you're going to do when a woman engages your fiancé inappropriately. Because if you don't, you're going go to jail. And you can't fully prosper in jail. Now, if you go to jail, Jesus is go with you. <laughs> but all the amenities of life not going with you in jail. So you got to learn how to manage yourself so the enemy doesn't use yourself to destroy yourself. Yeah. 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 Listen, let me tell you something. If I perceive that someone is getting aggressive with me, I have a series of things I go through in my mind to de-escalate myself. Because I understand that already still at 44, if you catch me and me and the Lord ain't tone twin, like I will grab you by your throat so quick. I don't really want to. But you know what I started doing? I had to start meditating on the fact. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. I had to start meditating on the fact, literally, I would sit there, I would say, I'm going to go to the store, I would imagine that someone was go do X and I would see myself doing the right thing. I would see myself doing the right thing over and over again. They're going to say this, I'm going to walk away. They're going to do this, I'm not going to respond. You discipline yourself into changing your life. You do. like It's when I was in sports psychology, that's what we taught Taylor. The reality of it is, is that once you know how to do a behavior... You are more efficient to practice in your mind than with your body. So you have to see yourself. And so you see yourself saying something. You see your boss saying something real crazy to you. And you saw yourself go across that desk. You pause it. You back up. You see him saying the same thing again. This time you got up out the seat. You pause it. You back up. You cuss them in the mouth. You cuss him out. You back up. You cuss them in your head. You back up. You keep backing up until your response is the right response. Yeah. But this is really about marriage. You'll never go fix your marriage going to the marriage sessions and then going home doing what you always done. Yeah. Amen. So we speak these things. Verse 6. Go back to Hebrews 11 verse 6. Y'all still with me? Because with my words, I'm either going to speak life or death. Okay. No, no, that's cool. Okay, hold on. Ask Jen the question, and Jen, before it's over, because she, she's upset, before it's over, we'll come back to the question, okay? I don't care. Listen, let me tell you something. I'd rather stop right now and not go any further and somebody get clarity. Then we keep on going. It can't be like algebra, like you don't understand how the stuff go, and you keep saying, yeah, you do, and then you fail the test. They can't do that. If, we, if one person get one thing that they can implement in their life that changes the quality of their life, we win it in here. So, all right. Verse 6, it says, but without faith, faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he that is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him without faith. Faith comes from knowing what God said. A lot of times people think they're in faith. You're not in faith because you don't even know what God said. You don't even know. How can you be in faith? How can I be in faith that Misty go pick me up when I never talked to Misty and she told me she go pick me up? Now, wouldn't that be crazy? I'm over here at Pinnacle mad talking about how Misty done left me hanging. It's like, we ain't had no conversation. I'm in Colorado, girl. You ain't telling me you need nobody to pick you up. But people do it all the time. It's like, I thought God was going to. Did God tell you that? God said I was going to get a new job. Did He tell you that was your job, this job that you put all your eggs in and now you salted with the Lord about? Did He tell you that job had your name on it? Did He tell you that was your spouse, or did you make them your spouse? Amen. So we want to hear the word, which is why we're always asking, what did God say? When Sertrick started talking about, we believe everybody tithe 10%, we believe everybody saved 10%, right? He comes and he gives you all these ways to get there. But ultimately, it's still your responsibility to ask God how to get there. You can go and say, okay, Lord, Sertrick told me X, Y, and Z. I'm not exactly sure how to make this work. The Lord will be like, do this, do this, and do that. People say, how do I know the Lord is talking to me? Because that brilliant idea you got, you weren't smart enough to think it up. That's how you know it was the Lord. If you typically cuss people out and something said be quiet, that was the Lord. The devil didn't tell you be quiet. He won't you cuss people out. If you typically spend all of your money and something said don't spend that, that was the Lord trying to help you. If you typically go out to eat and get soda, appetizer, bread and the meal, and something say, don't get the bread today, that's the Lord trying to help you out. It ain't always going to be that he write it in the sky. When they, were, when they put up a, a thing that says, um, if you consume this many calories, and this is what obesity, that's the Lord talking to you. Now, he's speaking through somebody else. But it's still the Lord because He releasing knowledge. So it says you got to believe. It's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible for you to please God. Why? Because God doesn't do anything in the earth unless a man's in faith. You, you're smart. You're intelligent. You're, You're educated. You can get a lot of stuff on your own. But just because you got it don't mean God gave it to you. You can get married and have a beautiful wedding. It don't mean you know how to stay married. All right, Proverbs eighteen and twenty one. Let's skip there. So the first thing I'm gonna say about faith is that faith has a voice. Faith people say something. Faith people have a voice. They say, faith people are saying something. When 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 faith people get a bad report. You, I'm, this is the truth. You can tell who, and listen, this is just a tip. You can do what you want to do. But like, if you have crisis in your life, sickness in your body, trouble on your job, you shouldn't post that on Facebook because you don't know the measure of the faith of those people. You don't know. Everybody, everybody don't have, everybody who's saved ain't got healing faith. So you can always tell who you can walk with in faith by how they respond in tragedy. You can go on Facebook today and look at somebody's post. They say, pray for my grandmama. She in the hospital. You can read the post and see who in faith. Because the people who in faith are speaking life. We believe in God for a turnaround. We believe in God for a miracle. We believe in God, something supernatural. The people who not in faith, like we want the Lord to comfort you. Faith people fight till the end. So even if the doctor says there is no hope, faith people don't give up until it's over. You can always tell real fans. Real fans don't lead the game even if they team down by 30. They hold on to the hope that something is going to happen. Real fans don't turn the TV. Because real fans are like, I'm with you to the end. Real faith people, we praying long after the doctor gave up. Because he just practicing. I tell my friends all the time, I got a group of friends, I love them, but based on how they have responded in other people's sickness, I would never call them. In fact, they on the do not call list. Don't call till I recover or I die. I don't want them involved in it. You got to know, can your family stand with you? If you was in a crisis right now and your life and death depending on it, is it a wise move to call your mama? If it, if it ain't wise to call them, you better not call you, you, like Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So when I uh, agree with Jen, I need to know that Jen ain't going to be speaking death while I'm speaking life. I need to know that Jen is willing to say, even if she like, I ain't even sure how we going to get it. But hey, here's a word. Let's shift on over here and do everything we can to believe God. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So, faith has a voice. Faith says something. You want to know whether you're in faith or not? Pay attention to what you say in pressure. Your pressure situations always reveal whether you're a person of faith or not. People who walk by faith, you ain't got a clue whether they got a dime or not. You you don't know when faith people, you don't know what faith people got no money or not. Even if they don't have no money, you go, can you go out go out to eat? They, they don't say, I can't go out to eat because I ain't got no money. Because faith people believe God is their source. And they're not gonna speak against their prosperity. So when faith people don't have money, they just be quiet and believe God for something to turn around. So faith has a voice. The second thing is that faith has a posture. You can always tell who think they the champion by how they position themselves. Muhammad Ali great example of it. Whether he won, whether he lost, he was like I'm the best. I'm the best. The truth of it is, is that some of you really don't believe you're the best. And here's the worst part. You're not working to eradicate the deficiency. So you know you aren't. So I may not be the best husband. Well, what work are you doing to eradicate the deficiencies? Or are you just talking about, you just got to deal with it. That's just what it is. You're not a faith person. Because faith says wherever I start, God will take me higher. He'll make me better. He'll improve me. Faith has a posture. You can look it up when you get home, 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17 is Daniel, Goliath, one of my favorite stories. I mean, David and Goliath. David just goes to take his brother some bread. He's the baby brother. His brothers are skilled in warfare. He gets down there. And he can see Goliath, if you read the story, he can see Goliath in the valley talking much trash. Listen, you read the Bible like it's old English. But if you really think about it, dude, Goliath was in there like, I wish y'all would come out here. Where your God now? You, come on out here. Bring me your, he was talking mass, smack. David asked this first question. The first question he asks is, he says, "What do you get if you kill him? What well, well, what's the prize that I get if I kill him?" He gets the, They tell him what the prize is. He like, cool. His brothers come out, they like, you think you so much. I'm trying to help you for those of you who got the you think you so much people in your life right there. His brothers come out, they like, you think you so much. You just came out here to show out. He like, now what I'm trying to figure out is while all you mighty men in here hide, while this uncircumcised Philistine is defying the army of the Lord. Faith has a Posture. So then Saul is going to take him out. He like, Saul, Saul, Saul like, man, you just a boy. David like, don't let the smooth taste fool you, king. <laughs> He's like, listen here. He said, my father puts me out here. I'm a shepherd boy. He said, and one time this bear, this bear ran up and grabbed one of my sheep. And I grabbed the bear by the nape of the neck and snatched the sheep out his mouth. I'm sure Saul went, dang. (laughs) He said, and then, king, it was another time that a lion ran up and grabbed one of my sheep. I chased him down, pulled him by his beard, and took the sheep back. He said, the problem is the rest of y'all, you coming with your swords, but I come in the name of the Lord. So then Saul says, all right. This was Saul really thinking. He probably going to get killed, but hey, <laughs> he probably going to get killed, but he the only one willing to try it. So Saul gives him his armor. So David out there trying to put the armor on and stuff, and then David like, famous words of searcher, he like, let me stay in my lane. I don't, when I'm out here fighting bears, I ain't got no armor on. He like, give me some rocks. Got this slingshot in my pocket. Can you imagine what Goliath must have thought when David ran out there? Depending on what you read, some translations say that Goliath was about 11 feet and David was about five eight. Can you imagine what David what Goliath? Goliath said, "Goliath says, "What do you think I am a dog?" Did you, what Dude, the Bible says that David takes off running towards Goliath and while he's running he reaching in his pocket he grabs that rock he's slinging him, pop him in the head knock him down that's good but then the Bible says he takes his sword and he cuts his neck off and then the, the, the Bible says that Goliath had four other brothers and they just went well and they took off faith will make you pursue what the devil tried to steal from you. It'll make you pursue it. You're like, wait a minute. So faith takes. That's my second thing. My second story is about David too. Faith takes. All these other stories, these scriptures you can look up. Faith takes stuff. Let me tell you something. Faith is gangster. Faith says this. We got 5,000 people here. All we got is a fish basket. Cool. I bet as long as I break it, I bet fish go come. Because faith is rooted in the fact that God is bigger than what you're facing. For those of you who are stuck, you are not stuck because of God, you are stuck because you don't believe God is bigger than what you're facing. You ain't got a money problem that put a dent in anything God owned. You don't have a family problem. God had the biggest family problem ever. His son and daughter literally threw threw a mutiny on him. He had a plan to restore it all. So if he could get all of mankind...